chapter 4, starting at verse 2. It says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that's Paul writing, pray for Paul and his whole team, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Great instructions for our life, but maybe they don't quite make sense yet. Let's hope they will in a few minutes here. This is God's word to us, after all. Elizabeth Gilbert had a great life. She was safe, financially secure. She had good work. She had her health. It was so comfortable being Elizabeth Gilbert that she was rather numb to it. She just rolled along with life until the divorce. Falling out of love and losing all of her security, she woke up to the reality that she hadn't been paying any attention to what was really important in life. She didn't even know the basics, and she sort of lost herself. So she set out on a voyage of discovery. She traveled around the world. She wrote a book about what she learned. It became a huge hit, a New York Times bestseller, and then it turned into a movie starring Julia Roberts. Maybe you remember this simple title, Eat, Pray, Love, One Woman's Search for Everything. Did you get that book up there, the title? Maybe you remember seeing that cover somewhere while they work on that. It's so simple. It's so very basic, just three words, eat, pray, love. Could it be that life just boils down to those three words? I mean, come on. Millions of men and women hoped so, and they went out on their own journeys. Some of them bought the book, they went to the movie, some of them bought plane tickets and went around the world searching for meaning in their lives. Some of them started writing blogs, some of them quit their jobs before they even found the thing, thinking they could find it. Eat, pray, love, they thought. All right, now I am not suggesting that you go out tomorrow and buy a plane ticket to India or somewhere else, quit your job and all these things. Let's be serious here. But I am intrigued by the simplicity of what she found and how it did seem to help so many people get back to the basics of life. Eat, pray, love. Simple, basic. Three words on a theme. Now, maybe if I were here more often, we could do a few uh, sermon series on this. Like maybe we could do a sermon series on community. Love, forgive, unite. Be a good sermon series, wouldn't it? Or one on worship. Sing, pray, learn. Evangelism. Plant, water, wait. <laughs> but I only have one sermon for you today. And... I have one text. Now, there are a lot of these simple words we could find in Scripture. Today, we're just going to focus on the ones we happen to find right here in this text. So on the screen, you'll see where we're getting these words from. Verses 2 through 4, we see repeatedly the instruction to pray. 
be devoted to prayer. Pray for Paul. Pray that he might be clear. Pray, pray, pray. And then in verse 5, we're going to see a word there that's not quite written in the English version, but we're looking for the word walk. Hmm. It actually said in our text, be wise in the way that you act toward others. So where'd I get that word walk? Well, it's in the original Greek, but to translate it into English sounded a bit clunky. It would come out like this. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Great word, and we're going to use it. We're going to use the word walk, but if it were the translation, you could hear it's kind of clunky that way. But walk in wisdom is our second word. And our third word is going to be the word talk, because verse 6 tells us that we should be salty in our conversations with others. Hmm, we'll get to that. Pray, walk, talk. Those are the three words I've chosen, not the same as Elizabeth Gilbert's, but pray, walk, talk, the title of the sermon. Now, Sandy, you know this, as do all other English majors out there. These words are called imperatives. Simple words that are a bit bossy in what they tell us to do. Do these things. Pray, walk, talk. All right. Now, Paul doesn't go into a whole lot of detail about the praying, the walking, and the talking right here. Right? We got these three words out of these just five little verses. He doesn't go and expand on them a whole lot. We can learn a lot more about praying, walking, and talking elsewhere in Scripture. But I think today what's really neat is that there's something about the simplicity. And not to get lost in all the expansiveness of it, but simply to pay attention to how basic those instructions are. Paul's saying to the brand new Christians there in Colossae, hey, let's get this simple stuff started. Pray, walk, talk. Now, okay, that church was just brand new. These were brand new Christians. Well, wait a minute. What does that have to do with us 2,000 years later? Does this really translate to our context? I mean, we have 2,000 years worth of developing doctrine, examining God's word, Bible studies, sermons, sermons, sermons. How many sermons have you heard in your lifetime? Three simple words. Really, Joy, are you just taking us back to kindergarten? Pray, walk, talk. That's kind of basic, isn't it? Yeah. Here's the danger, folks. At least this is what I've experienced in my life. I've done a lot of studying, and sometimes I find that the more I study about something, the more complicated it gets and the less I actually do it. So let's take eat, for instance. It's a basic human need, and it's a delight to have food, right? We like food. Most of us could throw together a pretty basic meal, boil water, throw in the dry spaghetti, heat a jar of sauce, sprinkle on one of those green cans of Parmesan, stop at King Supers just in time for a warm loaf of bread, cut it open, you got a meal, a simple spaghetti dinner. You can do that, right? Now, I know there's another way to do this. You could 
open a jar of your homegrown, hand-canned, heirloom tomatoes. Cook it on low for a few hours with some garlic and sautéed onions and basil and mushrooms. Meanwhile, you could mix some ground pork and some seasoned breadcrumbs and then pile some semolina flour on the counter, pour in some eggs and massage that flour and turn it into homemade pasta. It could take you all day. You get out that dough that's been rising in your oven just so slightly. All day, a delicious spaghetti meal, so complicated. It's still a spaghetti dinner, right? Sure, and it's delicious. In the end, both this complex meal and the other one end up in dinner. And I'm going to tell you which one happens at my house most often. It's the one my kids can do on their own. Yay! Look, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes we make it harder than it is. We make so many rules for how we're supposed to live the Christian life. We get so picky and nuanced about it. We make so many boxes. We create systems and legalisms for God that God never intended. And so Paul says very simply to the church, and let's go back to his writing, pray, walk, talk. If only we could actually get started doing these things. But maybe you're like me. You overthink. You don't think it's quite good enough, so you work harder at it. You pick it apart. You study the details and the nuances, and you get busy thinking about the thing not doing the thing. Like prayer, for instance. This is a picture of my bookshelf with some of my books on prayer. Oh yeah, I got a whole shelf full of books on prayer, and I know all these methodologies on prayer. I've taught lessons on it, adoration prayer, imprecatory prayer, breath prayer, healing prayer. I've done seminars on prayer. Boy, have I studied prayer. And I've forgotten sometimes that what God really wants me to do is pray. So, maybe you get like me. Maybe you're like, yeah, pray. But what happens when we pray? Does it really work? Does God act if I pray because I tell him what to do? But then wait a minute, does that really make him sovereign God? And what if God does something I've asked him to do? Does that mean God changed his mind? What do we do then with the immutability of the divine God? I mean, my goodness, if we start thinking about all these things, they twirl around and around in our mind. And they keep us from praying. Maybe we do the same thing with walking and talking. What does it mean in the text when it says to be wise in the way we act toward outsiders? Well, who are the outsiders? And you know what? Maybe they could have more bad influence on us and our children than on them if we get too engaged with those outsiders. See how our brains start to spiral away? And when it comes to talking, what should we say to others? Who is going to give me those perfect memory verses that I should know before I talked to people? Is there a formula? And what does it mean for my language to be seasoned with salt? We go on and on because we are like two-year-olds asking endless questions to avoid bedtime. Why is the sky blue? How does grass grow? Can I have another glass of milk when all we want them to do is sleep? 
right? It gets to be exhausting. Can you imagine God who looks at us like we look at our children? Quit asking all your questions and just pray, walk, talk. Now, first, before I go on, I have to say this. Is all of this thinking and doctrine and deep pondering about God's word, about praying, walking, and talking, is that a bad thing? No. Was that second spaghetti dinner a bad thing? No. It might even have been more delicious, I'll admit. There might be some wonderful things we can learn. And so, as was announced today, the winter session of your small groups is meeting. I encourage you to go to them. Study and learn. But let's not let our studying and learning sidetrack us from doing the basic things God calls us to do. Pray, walk, talk. And I say that for us, but people at Connections Church, as you think about your community around you, I want to warn us about how we get in the way of those whom we are inviting into faith in Jesus Christ. When we make these things so hard for ourselves and for them, we are putting up barriers to the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we make it look like it's so hard to pray, only the experts can do it, we neglect the hearts of those who simply need to speak about what their lives are in front of Jesus Christ. I'm especially sad that some of us who are older have tended to make this harder on young people. We've created a world in the church in which you have to get it right or not at all. You have to do all this extra stuff or you can't belong. People of God, let's pare it back. Let's bring it back to the basics that God calls us to and make room for so many others to practice the faith of pray, walk, talk. So in your bulletin, you have a bit of an outline so we can look at this text in real practical, basic ways of what it means for us to pray, walk, and talk. Now, I did see the movie, Eat, Pray, Love, and it was okay. I suppose it's the kind of thing that could work for you, traveling to India and to Italy and taking cooking classes. It, it can work for you if you're in a certain kind of search. But you know, here's what happened. Despite that happy ending that happened on the screen and the end of that book, Elizabeth Gilbert's life actually didn't get a whole lot happier. She ended up remarrying and re-divorcing. More stuff went wrong in her life. It wasn't easy, and I had to wonder what went wrong for her. I don't think she necessarily chose the wrong words. I mean, we're talking about three different words, but she didn't choose wrong words there. I think that like Elizabeth Gilbert, we also choose the wrong direction to aim our words. You see, I think she was looking for herself. How can my life get better? How can this serve me? How can I have this fairy tale ending? She put her eyes on herself. 
And I think that's where things go wrong for us, too. I pray about me, my needs, my little world. And so maybe then I find that my prayers get a little stale. I act or I walk in ways that are comfortable for me. And I talk to people who agree with me. Maybe you too. But listen, as wonderfully individualistically American as that might sound, the reality is our Christian life, we need to say this, it's not about me. Now, the love of Jesus is for me, and the grace of God comes upon me, and it does change my life, but it's not all about me. Despite this selfie culture that we live in, have you ever noticed our eyes are not built to look back at ourselves? We're made to look outward. Pastor George told me this week that the theme at Connections right now is outward focus. You've just come through the Christmas season. Christmas reminds us that Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the world has come to us, for which we give God thanks and glory. But now, that light that he has shined on us, we shine out to the world around us. And that's what we want to see in the text today. How does Walk and talk and pray. Help us shine the light out. Okay, pray first. Devote yourself to prayer, says the text, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, Paul writes, that, we might God, that God might open the door for our message so we can proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I would proclaim it clearly as I should, he writes. Those three verses. So maybe you're new at this prayer thing. You haven't been a Christian very long, or maybe you've been a Christian a long time, and maybe you've grown a little stale in your prayer life. Here's some thoughts on making prayer so much more basic that it becomes a regular part of something you do. You don't have this excuse of, it's so complicated, I can't do it. How should I pray, you might ask? Well, Paul says here, Be watchful and thankful in your prayers. In other words, look around. Ready to start praying? You look around. You see your life. You see the goodness and the glory of God. And Paul says, do something about it. Be thankful. What's the very basic start of our prayer life? Look and see things to be thankful for. And tell God about them. If you just started saying thank you to God, I don't think we'd run out of things for a very, very long time. That's the start of our Christian life. And as we say thank you, sociologists know this, if you start saying thank you more and more often, you start becoming more and more of a grateful person. You start to notice more and more things to be thankful for. Here it is, the Bible's very instructions. Devote yourself to prayer, watch, look around, and be thankful. So look, but then lean. Now what do I mean by that? When we pray, we need to lean into something. 
And in this verse, Paul encourages us to lean into the mission of God. Now, I'm friends with a lot of church planters, people like Pastor George, who have a passion for reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one lesson I've learned from them, they all seem to say this very same thing. They say, look around for where God is already working and step into that work. Okay, well, that makes sense here, too. Paul says, lean into the mission of God in your prayers. Pray that God will open doors. Pray that those who proclaim the ministry, the, the mystery of the gospel, would do so with clarity and power that lives might be changed. Well, that's two very specific and basic ways for us to pray. Look around, give thanks, and lean into wherever you see God's mission necessary. May I say that I heard Chris do that today when he, when he gathered us in worship to pray for this family that's mourning right now. He leaned into the heart of a compassionate God and asked that God's mercy and grace would be upon that family. It was as simple as that. My challenge to each of us this week is that we pray. Just simply pray. Pray, pray publicly, pray privately, and when we do it, we'd say the words, thank you. Pronounce it with me. Thank you. Very good. See, we can do this. We'd say that over and over again. And when we pray, we would lean into wherever we see God working in the world. All right, let's move on to walk. Verse 5. Remember it says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Or we might hear it this way. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Make the best use of the time you have. So again, let's look and lean here. Look for opportunities. Time is short on this earth. Look for the ways you can connect with others. Be wise in your actions, Paul says. Choose how to spend the time you have with an awareness that some opportunities don't come around again. So prioritize relationships. Seek out those kind of situations that allow you to present God's merciful grace and love to others. Walk toward outsiders. Well then, okay, that's, we look for the opportunity and then we lean toward other people. Now, in real life, you, having a posture that leans when you walk is not considered healthy. My chiropractor would not like this if I did this all day, right? But spiritually speaking, our toes should point toward others and our hearts should lean in their direction. Be in their lives. Know their names. Be aware of the issues and the hurts that are in their lives. It's not just about me after all, right? Make our lives interact and engage with others as we lean into them. Now, I know, each of us have different personality types, and maybe you can tell I'm really shy. Oh, no, that's not me. That's my husband, right? That's Bob. We get to be together. 
maybe you're not outgoing and you say, well, I'm not outgoing, so I'll just keep this Christian thing to myself. I have yet to find the verse in the Bible that gives us reasons to use our personality types to excuse us from the very basics of life, right? So somehow the Spirit of God and God himself intended for you to use exactly who you are with exactly the personality you have to lean into the life of someone else. Maybe it's exactly your shyness that will make you more comfortable to someone who needs to hear the grace of God. So walk by looking and leaning. And now talk. Verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, hmm, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, salt. What does salt do? Well, it does at least two great things to food. It preserves it so it can be used over time and it doesn't spoil. And salt brings out the flavor. Okay? So we're going to use those two images to help us see the look and lean in our talking. Just as salt preserves the food, we need to look for the right words that preserve relationships. Be generous using words and tones that build others up rather than tearing them down or creating conflict or tension. Look for the ways that you focus your eyes, your words, your ears, your hearts on other people. Avoid the temptation to spoil relationships with conversations that are one-upping someone else or ignoring them or mean or gossipy or you know. So look for opportunities to preserve relationships with the gracious words you choose. And then lean into the conversation with interest, understanding, alertness, some intelligence, some spark. Because just as salt spices up the food, we too get to spice up our conversations. Huh. Now, I know that sounds strange here because we're going to say that Christians should use salty language. Some of you are saying, uh-huh, wait a minute. I mean, after all, that is the kind of language that sailors use, right? <laughs> Not that sailor. We don't mean Pastor George. <laughs> it's a cultural thing, people. In our culture, saying salty language means one thing. But in the culture at the time this was written, it meant an entirely different thing. Salty language was referring to energizing conversations, conversations that were intriguing, people that used good illustrations and were active and engaged with one another, not people who dumbed down the conversation or went, ho-hum, Jesus, ho-hum, the grace of God. And let's be honest, there's some things about our church life that we try to make as so dumbed down and so boring. Isn't that one of the accusations that the church has been given? Church is boring. 
What have we done to the most exciting good news that the world needs to hear? We need it to be salty, spiced up, energized in how we talk about our love for Jesus Christ and his love for us and his grace for the world. That's what Paul's asking for here, that we would earn an audience with the world by honestly talking about how good God is. So people of God here at Connections Church, as we head into a week, another week of a new year, in which our lives are full of complications and complexities and hard things, I'm going to ask us to pray, walk, and talk. Look and lean into these very basic actions. Even as we speak, think about that salt shaker shaking out not grains of salt, but grains of grace upon our tongues as we engage with others. I have a cousin in California who is a bona fide rocket scientist. And I know that Cousin Mike would agree with me. This stuff isn't rocket science. He knows what is. These are the simple, basic building blocks of our Christian walk and our Christian faith. But no matter where we are in our journey, whether we've just begun understanding God's word, and this is a great launching pad for us, or we've been around a while and we've sort of gotten stale at it, or we think we've gotten too intellectual about it and we've thought so much about it that we've quit doing it, may the simplicity of God's word for us propel us into action so that we are busy this week praying, walking, and talking by God's grace. May he lead us. Pray with me, please. Lord God Almighty, we thank you so much for who you are in our lives and for giving us your word to study. Thank you for those who understand it with such complexity. And thank you for ways in which we've learned too. Lord, I do want to confess on my own behalf, and others may join me in this confession, that sometimes I think I've, I've learned too much to just do the basic stuff. And I, I simply just think about it. I study too much. I get all wrapped up in the details. Oh, God, forgive us for when that happens to us. Just draw us back into a walk with you that focuses our eyes on Jesus' work for us and for others. Call us into a prayer life in which we just talk to you and thank you for good things and ask for your help in the mission that you have on this earth. And God, season our tongues that we might speak gracefully to one another and to all others who need to hear the good news. We pray this for ourselves and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>